podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. And welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I am your host, Andy Mitz. Yes, that is brand new music that you're hearing for the intro here. Uh, it's a brand new format here for the podcast. We are now a daily show, Monday through Friday. Uh, Going to do a little bit shorter episodes. Uh, got some other changes that are coming. You might be seeing some video here coming soon, so I'll, I'll tease that for all you guys listening here. But absolutely ecstatic to see these changes that are happening. There's some other stuff kind of going on that I'm going to be really happy to announce to you guys here in the not-too-distant future. But to help me recap, I, I'd rather be talking about those, but unfortunately we have a game that we need to be talking about. That game I'm talking about is, unfortunately, that Kansas-Kentucky absolute drubbing uh, that happened on Saturday in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Kentucky winning 80-62 to 62 to help me. Coming back to the podcast, as he does quite often, it is Steve Fetch. How are you doing today, Fetch? Hey, good. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, this is um, not, not the greatest episode uh, in terms of, you know, good, great analysis, going to make you feel good about this team. Um, there's an entire laundry list of things that went wrong, but I am curious, what do you think is the biggest issue that you saw from the game on Saturday? Yeah, I think it's just, you know, the fact that Kansas goes into the off season last year, Bill Self talks about wanting to get longer and, and more athletic and everything. And, um, then, you know, proceeds to trot out basically the same lineup, uh, as last year with the exception of, you know, Remy Martin playing 14 minutes, but other than that, it was, basically more of the same. And I think we saw last year against that uh, USC team and, and today against Kentucky that, um, you know, there's going to be teams out there that have more athleticism than Kansas and, and Kansas just, you know, in its current iteration, doesn't really have um, an answer for it. I don't think um, they had a, a tough time guarding Kentucky. Um, they had a tough time getting off good shots repeatedly against Kentucky. And um, you saw the, the result of that. So um, I, I don't know what it means going forward. I don't know what it means in terms of what they need to do this off season, but um, I, I do think that, yeah, Bill self talks about it just being one game and, and that's true, but you know, I do think that it um, is a, a worrying trend going forward for sure. Yeah. I think the most frustrating part about it is not the fact that they didn't do anything to address it. Even it's the fact that he brought in a bunch of guys who are supposed to be more athletic, uh, you know, right. Martin coming in, you got, you know, guys like Jalen Coleman land who, Yes, completely fair. He was kind of an add-on at the end when you thought you might be losing Ochai Baji. Um, you know, but you had guys like uh, Joey Yesifu. Uh, I mean, you had a bunch of guys that you brought in that were supposed to make this team a whole lot more athletic. And then what happened during the non-conference? Bill Self refused to play them. Like, yes, we all know that Bill Self has this, you know, kick where he has to trust a guy before he can get them significant minutes on the floor. Um, you know, I, I actually talked about it at halftime. I, I did a Twitter space online during halftime of the game and, um, look, it was one of those things where, you know, Embiid forced his way on the floor because of how much more athletic he was than Tark, Tark Black. You know, there was, there's been instances of young guys who have forced their way on the floor because they've just been so much better. This year, we didn't really get an opportunity to see it. There were so many options for guys that were super talented and, you know, had a legitimate case for being on the floor that none of them really actually got an opportunity to do it because Bill Self never got comfortable with any of them. And part of that was there were so many options that those minutes that normally would go to one one or two guys to develop ended up getting split between four or five guys trying to figure out who the guy was that was going to be added to the rotation instead of truly identifying who are the most athletic guys that we have that can handle things like this. And yes, 
Bill Self has been able to pull together a really great lineup that has overcome a lot of issues, has been able to do a whole bunch of different things. But this is not a team that can handle that athleticism from Kentucky, like you talked about, without having their most athletic guys on the floor. K.J. Adams didn't play nearly enough in this game, I don't think. He was the only guy that was in there that they got any kind of semblance. And now it may have been because it was, you know, like change up of what Kansas was doing. He brought a little bit of energy. It kind of changed the way that they did some things. And Kentucky hadn't reacted immediately. But then he was back out again. And so I'm not really sure what the answer is here. Yes, we talk about how, you know, he is Hall of Fame coach, head coach Bill Self. Um, You know, he is in the Hall of Fame for a reason. He is absolutely a fantastic coach. But every coach has their shortcomings. Every coach has things that they do that they probably should be doing better. But for better or for worse, they're just going to keep doing those. And, you know, Kansas Self or Kansas, Bill Self here at Kansas, putting his trust in particular guys and being extremely stubborn and not moving off of them until they force him to do it is probably the one thing that Bill Self does that drives me absolutely crazy. Yeah, I think, you know, I just looking through the the roster, I mean, I, I think you had the opportunity in the non-conference. They didn't play a ton of, you know, awful teams, but they played plenty of teams that you should be able to win playing guys who are new to roles. And, and, you know, even if you don't win some of those games, I mean, I think you would be seeing the benefits of that now playing a guy like Joe Yesifu, who to be fair, has not played well when he's played, but uh, to be fair to him, he's had a pretty short leash and kind of tough to, to blame him for maybe not getting settled. And I think he's probably the best athlete in the backcourt. So giving him, some minutes would have been helpful. I think, um, you know, Bobby Pettiford's uh, development got stunted a little bit by COVID and that injury. So kind of, kind of tough to have a better situation for him, but, um, and, and same with uh, Zach Clements, but yeah, KJ Adams, you know, getting some more time uh, at the five or maybe even the four, um, you know, I, I talked on the podcast a while ago about how, you know, maybe this year isn't the year for him, but um, I probably was wrong about that. You watching the way he's played, just, you know, his actual, you know, raw athleticism is so impressive out there that um, you see in a game against a team like Kentucky, where you just need that. I mean, I think in terms of um, skill on the basketball court, I think a, a lot of the KU players are better than their counterpart for Kentucky, but it doesn't really matter what kind of skill you have or what kind of shooting ability you have or whatever, if you can't stay in front of your man or, or you can't beat your man off the dribble, um, you know, that stuff's just so important. And it's something that last year's team is really lacking. It's something that this year's team is really lacking. And, you know, there's, there isn't a fix. Um, I mean, Kyle Cuff <laughs> is uh, an insane athlete and he's being redshirted, but from, from all reports, he's, you know, nowhere near ready as a basketball player. So um I think they're just going to have to wait until next season in order to, to fix things, to be honest with you. And it's, it's tough, but um, you know, they do have a, a pretty good recruiting class coming in. It sounds like, and um, you know, they can hit the portal and, and fix the backcourt issues in a hurry. Obviously the issue is seeing what's happened to Remy Martin this year. And, and some of the comments Bill Self's made is a, a power five point guard uh, going to want to transfer to Kansas. I don't know. I would say probably because it's Kansas, um, but you, you just never know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's also kind of one of those things, too, where, you know, we, we've actually seen this before. Like the 2012 National Championship game, I would argue that Kentucky was more athletic at every single spot than Kansas. Kansas was, I think, more skilled at most of the positions. And the main difference between that team and this team is that this team does not have a floor general. This guy, This team does not have a guy that can run the, you know, run the plays on the floor. 
that can take a look at what the defense is doing and find holes and direct people where they need to go. Bill Self doesn't have a coach out on the floor like he's used to having. And I think that's one of the biggest issues for this team. It's not where I thought we were going to ever go here. Like, I thought if Kansas was going to lose this game to Kentucky, it was going to be because of athleticism. It was going to be those sorts of things. But there were so many times where David McCormick overhelped, you know, rotating when he shouldn't have. There was guys that were out of position that were trying to do too much, leaving guys wide open, and Kansas, and, and Kentucky was able to just take advantage of it the entire time. Unfortunately, what they didn't have was a guy that could recognize what was going on talk to everybody that they were out there on the floor and, you know, make them realize, hey, this is what you're doing wrong. This is what you need to do right the next time. This is how we need to stop this. Kansas doesn't have one of those guys. I don't know who that guy's going to be. Ochai Abaji needs to be the main scorer. He is not a guy that really takes charge. You kind of listen to the way that he talks. He seems very soft-spoken. I talked to him at Big 12 Media Days. And, you know, he is an absolutely phenomenal scorer. He is super confident in himself. But he just doesn't give off the vibe of a guy that's going to take charge in a huddle or take charge on a floor and tell people what they need to do and make sure that they're going to do it. Now, granted, he, he could develop that skill. That could be something that he does, and it's just not very apparent, though, you know, the way that he's playing. But that's the thing that's missing to me. Dewan Harris is not the guy that is going to, you know, rally everyone around. That was the thing that Marcus Garrett did really well. When he was the guy that was in charge of the offense, he made sure that, the, that everybody knew what they were supposed to be doing. He made sure that he got distributed the way they needed to. And when he needed to go make a play, he at least went and tried to make a play. Dewan Harris is not doing that. And if you're not going to have a guy in Dewan Harris that can direct the offense like that, then he needs to be able to contribute something offensively, which of course gets us right back to the Remy Martin versus Dewan Harris discussion that I don't know if we want to have again, uh, because we've had it so many times, both, you know, on Twitter and here and all that fun stuff. But I mean, do you, do you agree with my assessment there? It seems like the biggest thing that they're missing that could help them get over that athleticism issue is good strategic, you know, utilization of the guys that they have. And they just don't have anybody on the floor that can actually get that to happen. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go a different way and say maybe the biggest thing they're missing is that, you know, interior presence on defense. Um, you know, they're among the worst in the country, both in allowing teams to score at the rim and and uh, and allowing teams to get shots at the rim. And, you know, you look at two years ago, you have a guy like Yudoka Azubuki in the middle there who, um, you know, you can't score on him. Uh, it's tough to get around him if you're a guard. You know, even last year, you've got, you know, Marcus Garrett, who can take a guy out of the game. You know, Bill Self has mentioned multiple times that Kansas doesn't have that this year. Um, I think that's coming back to bite them, too. So, um, you know, all the all the leadership, strategic stuff, um, you know, that that's one thing. And I think that's probably a fair point. I guess I'm just, you know, I'm not in the locker room, so I can't tell you one way or another. I just, you know, from what I see, it's, it's just a, a talent thing more so than anything else. And um, they're just going to have to to probably wait an offseason to fix that, frankly, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree that the talent thing is a huge issue. And there does come a point where you just can't. Like, if, if, if the talent gap is too wide, the athleticism gap is too wide, you can't overcome that. But to have any sort of, of opportunity, you know, and, and we've seen it in other games. You know, we saw it against Iowa State. Everything almost unraveled. We saw it for quite a while against Kansas State before Kansas State unraveled. Like, they don't have somebody on the floor, like, Kansas' big runs come after Bill Self calls a timeout and he goes and he talks to everybody on the sideline and gets them to change their attitude that way. You don't see a lot. Like, if things are going really bad, Kansas doesn't typically get it turned around unless the other team goes completely cold shooting or Bill Self calls a timeout and gets them back on the right direction. And that, that's where I'm coming from in terms of the, you know, they don't have that floor general. They don't have that guy that can really kind of get them back to where they need to be. But yes, athleticism was definitely the issue here. Um, you know, look looking... Up and down, we, we kind of talked about what K.J. Adams did in the 11 minutes that he was on the court, but was there anyone else that actually you thought at least played a decent game as opposed to the 
horrible game that everybody else played? Um, you know, I mean, I, I like the way Remy Martin played when he was in, to be honest with you. I wish he would have shot the ball a little more and uh, attack the rim a little bit more. It seemed like he was able to, to beat his man and get into the lane uh, relatively uh, routinely. Um, you know, other than that, though, not really. I mean, I guess I will say, uh, you know, Kansas for all the talk about Kentucky's offensive rebounding and stuff. Uh, Kansas held Kentucky to under their season average on the offensive glass. So I think they did a, a, a pretty good job there. Um, but really that's, I think where the positives begin and end to be completely honest with you. Um, you know, it was kind of demoralizing seeing, you know, obviously Ty Ty Washington didn't have a very good game, but you know, five assists to one turnover is nice. And, you know, severe Wheeler, a guy who a lot of Kansas fans kind of poo pooed, um, when he was being recruited as a, you know, a guy who would never play and stuff like that, you know, he has eight assists to, to three turnovers and had a nice game and was able to, to, you know, like Remy Martin on the other side, beat his man repeatedly and kind of get wherever on the floor he wanted to. Um, that was a little demoralizing to watch. So, um, yeah, I guess <laughs> long, long story short, you know, not a, not a ton of positives to take out of this one. Um, if you're Kansas, but you know, it's just one game, they're still 10th in Ken Palm. So it's not like the, you know, the season's not over or anything like that. I mean, worse teams than this have made deep runs in the NCAA tournament. So I, I don't think that you should count them out, but I do think that kind of similar to last year, they're going to be depending on getting probably a, a favorable draw in the NCAA tournament in terms of uh, what matchups they get. Yeah, I mean, Kansas is now down to or under 50th in Ken Palm in terms of defense. Uh, you know, they obviously took a big hit after that game because it was it was bad. The offense didn't actually change at all, which is kind of surprising. But when you think about how good Kentucky's defense tends to be, um, I think also just the fact that things were going so poorly. It's not like, you know, Kansas uh, really had a lot of opportunities to do things so bad. Like they lost so many potential possessions because of offensive rebounds and other things that Kentucky did well. Um, that might have mitigated some of the damage there. One guy that we haven't talked about that I was impressed when he was actually on the floor, partly I think because he outperformed expectations, but his expectations weren't really that high for this game. Mitch Lightfoot actually did fairly well. Um, you know, he had four offensive rebounds. Him and and Christian Brown were the only two people that actually had offensive rebounds, which that right there I think is, is stat of the game. The fact that David McCormick did not get a single offensive rebound in this game was a huge issue and really what the biggest problem was. Um, you know, he had four offensive rebounds being Mitch Lightfoot and then three defensive rebounds. He was our best rebounder, I think, if you look at at rates, but I don't actually have that pulled up for this particular game. Jalen Wilson did all right, but he had, you know, he, he had the most rebounds in, with eight, but only had eight points, played 31 minutes. So he had a lot more opportunities to do it. Um, you know, I'm not saying that like this is this is not a hey, we need to play Mitch a whole bunch more. I think Mitch just came in in a really tough spot, performed a whole lot better than I thought he was going to but still didn't do very well just because, again, the athleticism issue was such a huge difference between between him and then whoever yeah. was on the floor. Yeah, one thing I will give Mitch credit for, I mean, I think, you know, you saw a lot of the stuff after the game that, you know, Kansas is soft and don't want it and stuff like that. And I don't think, I think that's unfair. I think it, you know, is something that just oh, kind yeah. of comes out when Kansas loses. It could only be because, you know, they didn't try hard or whatever. But um, I do think that, you know, there are a few guys on the team who, you know, get the slump shoulders if things don't go well. I mean, Dave and, and Jalen Wilson are two, I think, primary ones. But, you know, uh, I'll give Mitch credit this. I mean, he's or credit for this. I mean, he's always, you know, out there. Boston is about 100 percent. He's always, you know, kind of in the game, um, you know, emotionally and stuff like that. And, and uh, you know, I think Kansas could use that a little bit more sometimes. So um, some people kind of cringe when Mitch comes in. And <laughs> I mean, you know, I guess I'd prefer KJ Adams to get some more minutes than him. And, and, you know, when Clemens comes back for him to get worked in a little bit more, but 
Um, there's no doubt that Mitch has a role on this team, and, and I think he played it pretty well on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, I think the big takeaway, and we'll kind of talk about moving forward here in just a in just a minute, but I think the biggest the biggest takeaway was that Kansas just never was ever a- able to get comfortable at all in this game. Um, unlike you, if you visit sponsor here on the podcast, that is Homefield Apparel. Homefield Apparel is the most comfortable college sports apparel anywhere. Uh, they have over a hundred different schools. They have uh, t-shirts, hoodies, sweaters, whole bunch more. Uh, they have vintage logos for over a hundred different schools that are all available. They're adding new ones all the time. They're right in the middle of big new Saturday season three. Um, you know, they've had, they've had two, they had Cincinnati first and then Gonzaga. They haven't leaked yet the, the next one coming up, but I, I'm anticipating it's going to be really great. And hopefully we can get them since this is basketball themed, big new Saturday. Hopefully Kansas will be coming at some point. Don't know when it's going to be. Hopefully it's going to be soon, but uh, if, if it doesn't happen, I will be absolutely livid because I have done everything I possibly can to bug everybody to get it. So, but while you're waiting, you know, or if you want to hold out for Kansas, I don't, I don't blame you, but while you're waiting, if you decide that you take a look over there, over at homefieldapparel.com, find something absolutely fantastic that you just have to have. Make sure you use promo code CHALK12 to get 15% off your entire first order. All orders over $100 get free shipping, and I, I can guarantee I have like eight or nine different shirts myself. My wife has three or four, and she is always stealing mine when hers are dirty, and she wants something because they're just that comfortable. So head on over to homefieldapparel.com, promo code CHALK12, get 15% off your entire first order, and all orders over $100 get free shipping. This is Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate Pitt, joined by my brother, Jeremy J.N. Fiend Phoenix. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. We do the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. If you love West Virginia University, you will love our podcast. If you don't care about West Virginia University, you will love our pop culture segment. It begins every single episode. You can join in the fun anytime, anyplace. Get at your boys. All right, Fetch. Um, now that we've got the sponsor message out of the way, I have to ask you, you, you kind of talked about how this is not necessarily a big deal, you know, thinking about the entire course of the season. And, and if we really think back to last year, like this was about the time of year where Kansas had a really big loss and everybody was like, oh my gosh, the sky is falling. And they were able to get it turned around until obviously, you know, the game against USC in the tournament where again, athleticism was a huge issue. So I mean, what are your what are your thoughts about this game? I think they're in a much better position than they were last year, you know, or even like the 2020 year before before the the uh, tournament got canceled and all of that stuff. So, like, looking at where they are right now, do you think this is something that people should be worried about moving forward, or is this just kind of the blip that happens with a non conference game in the middle of conference schedule? Uh, well, I don't think they're in a better position than they were in, in 2020. Um, you know, that no, fair, fair. team that 2020 team lost uh, zero games with a full healthy lineup. So, uh, but yeah, I think last year's team, last year's team was more worrying uh, to me than this year's team, because last year's team really had zero fixes. Um, not a ton of athleticism, complete inability to beat guys off the dribble. And it showed, I mean, their, their offense was terrible. Um, kind of wish their defense uh, from last year would show up a little bit this year. I mean, I think you'd have a, a really good team on your hands if that would happen. Um, but I think, you know, this year's team, they're definitely in a better spot. I mean, they're still third, uh, nationally offensively at Ken Palm, um, still have the ability to, to go on runs, still have the ability to score, you know, a ton of points and stuff. And I think you'd rather have that versus, um, a team that needs to win with its defense. So, um, they can, and, and, you know, to expand on a point I made earlier, I mean, there's a fix this year. I mean, I think it's, you know, you play Remy Martin a little bit more. That's obviously not going to help your defense a ton, but you know, the defense already isn't good. So I think you need to go all out on your offense. 
um, you know, play KJ Adams a little bit more. Um, and I think that those two things can help a lot. It's, it's certainly not going to be a, a master stroke that, you know, turns them into a national champion or anything like that. But I do think that it raises their ceiling to the point where they can make that deep run in March. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's some, some fixes that are available and I think that the, uh, the roster is good enough to, um, you know, still go on a run and, and still challenge for that big 12 title. So, uh, just, just one kind of blip on the radar. Um, I do think that it, um, maybe portends some weaknesses going forward, but I don't think that it spells certain doom, um, for the team either. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a, a very popular program in the corporate world. I'm sure anybody who works, you know, a corporate job has heard of this before the, the, the strengths finder. Um, you know, and like the idea behind that is that you identify the things you're really good at and you find ways to maximize those. And that's going to give you the most success. You don't you don't find these weaknesses, these things that are difficult for you to improve upon and try to fix those as a way to to be better, especially since we're talking about limited time of a single season. Like, you know, if, if we had individual players that had three or four years and we're talking about trying to like help them develop their game, that's a completely different matter. But one team who is so dominant on offense and if, and if you look back at the way that Kansas has you know, gotten to the point where they've had so many different close wins. It's not that, you know, the defense has let them down. It's that their offense has gone on such horrible dry spells. And if they can find a way to keep the offense at full speed or even 80% of full speed for an entire game, instead of, you know, going at 100% for 25 minutes and then having 15 minutes where they basically do absolutely nothing, they would win a lot of games comfortably, even if their defense didn't improve a single bit for the rest of the year. So you're right. I, I agree. Like you need to lean into the offense at this point. I know that's another thing that Bill Self is not used to doing. He is really, really not comfortable doing that at all because he always preaches defense first. But this is like this is that litmus test of how much do you actually adjust to the team that you have? Yes, you continue to try to improve their defense throughout the rest of the year, whatever you have left. But this is a team that is very gifted offensively. And if you're not leaning into trying to maximize that, you know, taking those strengths that they have and maximizing them and doing everything you can, getting every last drop of that out of them, then you're not putting yourself in the best position to, like you said, make that deep tournament run. They still have a really, really good shot of, you know, winning the conference at this point. Uh, like they are, they are now projected to share it with Baylor, according to Ken Palm. And I don't know how much that's actually going to change. Like, you know, they have a couple games here coming up the one on the road at Iowa State on Tuesday night. Um, you know, and then and then after that, I believe I just had the schedule pulled up and I completely forgot about it. Oh yeah, it's it's uh, the home game against Baylor on on next Saturday. So like two huge games coming up this week. If they can win both of those, I, I have a hard time seeing how anybody passes them to at least or to keep them from getting at least a share of the conference title. Yeah, I mean and I think, you know, in terms of uh, fixes. I'm just kind of looking again. I don't know. And I'm, I'm not the, the coach. So I mean, X's and O's fixes, you know, who knows, but one thing that does kind of stick out to me, I wonder if they just, you know, last year they played a lot more drop coverage in the the second half of the year and um, just really kind of tried to let teams shoot over the top of them and stuff like that. I wonder if they don't try to do that again, they're not giving up a ton of three point attempts. You don't really have to, when you're not forcing turnovers and, and not really stopping teams from scoring inside on you. But um, I do wonder if maybe they, they try to give up a, a few more of those threes and, and hope that luck can kind of carry them a little bit. I, I don't know. I guess I don't know what the answer is, but yeah, I, I do think, think that the, well, I'll say, I think that's part of the problem is that like, if it was up to Bill self, I think that's what he'd want to do, but this team can't seem to keep anybody out of the paint and can't seem to, to actually defend inside very well. So teams keep going to it. Like you see everybody slashing into the paint against the Jayhawks. 
because they can't seem to stop people from getting in there. McCormick is, you know, by, or I mean, he's, he's on and off every single game. Like you have no idea what kind of game you're going to get from him. So they don't really have anything consistent that can force teams to take threes. And if you don't need to take threes, then why are you going to take threes? If you can get a, you know, at the rim too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if, if, if you can let people go, uh, uh, let people go right to the rim. Um, I mean, they're not going to take a ton of threes. So that's why I think, you know, maybe you just kind of pack the paint a little bit more. You saw them go to like a, you know, a little triangle too. You saw them go to some zone on Saturday. I do wonder if we maybe will see a little bit more of that junk stuff as much as Bill Self hates to do it. But, you know, he's one of the best um, defensive basketball coaches in the country and one of the best defensive basketball coaches ever. Um, so, you know, if anyone's going to figure it out, it's going to be him. And and I still trust that he'll get them to the point where they're, they're maybe not going to be an elite defense, but you know, if they can get into the top 30 or so, then you're looking at a team that still has the opportunity to make a, a deep run in March. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, fetch any, any final thoughts before you get out of here for the day? Uh, no, I think we probably want to put this one in the rear view mirror as quickly as possible. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, you ha- you have a random sports minute for us today. Uh, well, probably not because, uh, given our audience, I don't think we want to talk too much about the, uh, NFL playoffs. No, definitely um, not. No, I, 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 guess, I don't want know, to rant and rave at the microphone right now. If, so. uh, if you want a, a brief Minnesota Vikings coaching update, which is what everyone wants, of course. Uh, sounds like, uh, sounds like your Minnesota Vikings have, uh, interviewed Jim Harbaugh, uh, former 49ers coach and, uh, current Michigan head coach. And, um, he's kind of the guy that I want to, to take over who knows if it's uh, legit or whatever, but, um, I mean, I think, I think he's the guy, it sounds like the other two finalists are, uh, 49ers defensive coordinator, D'Amico Ryans and, uh, Rams offensive coordinator. I think Kevin is his first name O'Connell. Um, so I'm watching this, uh, NFC championship game as we speak right now with a little bit of, uh, heightened interest as if I know, you know, anything about what makes a good NFL coach or, or anything like that, but it's still kind of fun to, uh, to worry about. Yeah. I, you know, I, I am curious as to why a guy like Eric Bieniemy for, for all those, those chiefs fans has not really gotten a serious consideration to be a head coach. I, I'm starting to think it's never going to happen, which is kind of weird thinking about where he's coming from. But, um, but I think that'll do it for us today. Cause again, I don't want to get dive too deep into NFL stuff right now because I don't want to go start yelling at the microphone and I don't think anybody needs to hear that, but Fetch, thank you so much for joining me on this. Our first daily, you know, weekday episode of the rock talk podcast um for those of you guys that are out there make sure that you go out and subscribe wherever you find your podcast which apple podcast spotify stitcher any of the other million apps that are out there just search for rock talk podcast it's absolutely the same as before nothing's changing with that we will have some additional formats coming uh looking at potentially doing some sort of video tied into this and um some, some other exciting things going on that will tie into the podcast here but definitely Head on over uh, to to get subscribed there. Follow us over on Twitter, at Rock Chalk Pod. If you ever have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me there or contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com. If you can give us a rating and review, five stars, nice comments, would absolutely love that. Uh, we really do bring the podcast to you guys to get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So we, we are still a part of the 1012 network uh, over there on Twitter, at TEN12network. Uh, head on over there to get all you know links to all the great shows we have here on the network talking about all the teams in the Big 12 Conference. I still will always maintain that the best way to know how the Big 12 Conference is going to affect the Kansas Jayhawks is by staying up to date with what's happening over there. So head on over, find all the great shows. I promise there's a lot of great entertaining 
content being put out there. So uh, we are part of the Anchor platform, so you can leave us a voicemail. Again, even with this shorter show that we're doing every day, I still want you guys to go ahead and leave those messages so we can get your voice on the show so I can answer your questions directly. Just go to anchor.fm slash rock-chalk-podcast slash message and leave that there, and I promise we'll get you on the show. But that is going to do it for us today. Thank you guys so much for listening. Fetch, thanks again for joining me. We will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Between Two Bears, the newest 1012 Network podcast. Uh, this is Matt is Bear. I'm going to introduce my co-host, Evan A. Bear, uh, to give you a quick idea of what the show is about. Yeah, Between Two Bears is going to be a it's going to be a great sorry. Between Two Bears is going to be a great look at the silly and sometimes stupid. Between Two Bears is going to be a great look at the silly and sometimes stupid side of Baylor sports. Hey, I'm gonna try one more time. Between two. Okay, uh, Evan. Evan's gonna go take a nap. Um, but we are excited to join the 1012 Network along with the rest of their already great lineup of Big 12 podcasts. Check them out at 1012 Network on Twitter and us as well at Matt is Bear and at Evan Haybear. Uh, Sickum Bears. Podcast Network.